You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome into the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I'm not that bad. We had the emergency pod. I got the vent a little bit, so I'm actually doing a little bit better today. You know, it's a, it's the 12 steps. Yeah, for anyone that missed it, we did a raw podcast there late on Saturday. Pushed that out on Sunday. Well, really about midnight on Sunday, so that's out there. You want to get Shane's unfiltered thoughts on that one. We're not going to talk about the Tennessee game this whole damn podcast, so go back to that one if you want to hear that. But uh, Shane, we got a ton of games to get to. Uh, let's let's just get to it. Let's do it, buddy. All right, Shane. Just like we promised on the last podcast, we have actually watched the Texas A&M Texas State game. So let's break that <laughs> one down. Let's start right there. And uh, I don't know about you, Shane, but thoughts right out the gate. I mean, Kellen on all the things. You know, these players. It's kind of like Felipe Franks. We've been hearing all off season how sharp, how good he is, and you just don't know it till you see it, Shane. I know it was just Texas State. People have been saying that about 50 times to me since I've started commenting on this game. But my goodness, Shane, Kellen Mon looks like he's taking the next step. And it's it doesn't matter who you're playing, Shane. If you're throwing the ball like he is and, and his pocket awareness making moves and just, and just throwing beautiful balls 45 yards down the field where no one else can get it, I don't think it matters who you're playing. Kellen Mon just... He just kind of blew my mind in that that opener. Well, that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people are, I've I've heard the same thing. Well, it's you know, get your expectations back in check because they got Clemson coming, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you what, man, Mont threw some damn passes. It didn't matter who was covering him; it was perfect. And some of those were even dropped, you know. And I think if if this was a maybe a bigger game, maybe the the receivers would have came through with it. But I'm telling you, man, he he had some pretty passes out there. So I'm I I'm I'm not saying I'm buying into the Heisman hype, but I tell you what, he 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 definitely turned my head. Yeah, so he got eight receivers involved in the game. I like to see that. They had 200-yard rushers. Of course, one of that came mostly due to an 85-yard rush by Isaiah Spiller. But Jay Sean Corbin looked good. Uh, everything looked good. I, you know, I thought the Mike Elko's defense would would really shine in this one. They held Texas State to eight yards rushing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. when you're talking about facing a team like this, this is what you want to see. You want to see your team come down and shut them down. 
Uh, but I do have a couple concerns. Obviously, we got the Clemson game next week, Shane. One thing that uh, troubled me, and I'm not saying this is a season killer by any means. I got it's just the first game. You know, you went 41 to seven like Texas A&M did. That's what you got to do. But there's still things to pick apart. And how about this, Shane? Texas A&M, that offensive line in the red zone, having some troubles down there. It took them. You know, they had the ball first to go from the one yard line. They they couldn't punch it until third down, and they barely mm-hmm. did it then. Uh, Kellamon, his only interception was in the red zone. Uh, I just, I don't know, that's something questionable. If they do not get that cleaned up, there's no way they're beating Clemson next week, I don't think. Uh, yeah, that's definitely something that they're going to, I mean, and they have several days to work on this. You know, you got to remember this game was on Thursday, so they had a couple extra practices in. And, uh, you know, that's extra time in film study. And, and it, it usually comes when you watch, when you watch goal line stands and things like that, it usually comes down to fundamentals and you may not see it when you're watching it real time, but there was a, a block that should have got, or there's a, 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 an assignment that they didn't hit that the coaches know the players know, and this is something they can address. But you talk about, I mean, we watched a lot of ugly games opening up this season and yes, A&M had some mistakes, but not near as many as some of these other ball clubs. Yeah. And how about this stat, Shane? Texas A&M, they only intercepted seven passes last season combined. They got four in this one alone. And again, yes, it's Texas State, but that's the type of progress you want to see year two under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, so let's just, let's just jump to Fisher right here. Asked about Kellen Mon and asked about that secondary. I thought he had uh, some interesting comments here. Do you feel like Kellen really has made a, a step forward or a jump forward from last year until oh, now? Oh, it's not even close. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, how he, when you call the game, what he sees, what he does. I mean, where he was getting to on his reads today, I mean, and seeing things and getting there easily and the accuracy of the deep ball and down the field, which he always, you know, when it not, wasn't consistent enough in, in the past. I mean, I think he's really in a good place right now. I really do. Hey, Jimbo, you talked about it before, how your corners had been in position last year a lot of times, but sometimes, more often than not, the other team would come down with the ball mm-hmm. with four picks today. How, how That's huge. That? I mean, and you get confidence. Once you start making plays and you understand you can make them, then you start getting confidence and uh, that we did a good job in that. And, you know, and I think everything on defense, I meant to say, I think we, gotta, we, gotta, we can pick our pass rush up a little bit. And we did at times, we got some, but I think we can still put pressure on the quarterback a little better than what we did. But those guys in the secondary, I thought, were really, really uh, covered well, batted balls, even – you know, we had one blown coverage right there at the end of the half. They split a guy. We had two guys got confused. But other than that, even the catches they made were pretty contested or guys were on the run making throws and you know, played pretty well. Uh, Jimbo, over here, uh, four interceptions. Are you ready for Trevor Lawrence now? <laughs> Listen, that guy, it's, it's a, bit, a little bit different ball game now. They got some great receivers in Trevor, and I'm glad our guys got some confidence going in, but we're going to have to play one heck of a game. I mean, that's a, bit, a little bit different deal with, with Trevor and those guys throwing. But, you know, we played them last year. Hopefully we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, Shane, I love that he got asked about Trevor Lawrence, too. I already eyed it. Uh, yeah, your, your defensive backs look good. How are they going to look about against Trevor Lawrence? Jimbo kind of – he cooled expectations pretty quick there, did he? Yeah, I think he did. And uh, this is – I mean, this is the one that they've had circle on their calendar since last year, you know. So they know this is a big game, and uh, I think they're going to get their – you know, the one thing, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see when Kellen got a little banged up there? I mean, you talk about a quiet atmosphere when that happened. Yeah, I mean, if Kellen Mond goes down, Shane, I don't want to say the season goes down with him because 
I think they got a pretty talented roster all, all around him, but they got nothing of experience behind him. So, yeah, I no. mean, it's, it kind of is the Kellen Mond show if they have any dreams of upsetting a team like Clemson or, or potentially threatening in the SEC West. Yeah. Well, I tell you, the running back looked good, though. I, th- I mean, you know, I, I thought there'd be more drop-off, uh, but he was running strong. All right, Shane, so let's get into the action there on Saturday. And there's plenty of good, there's plenty of bad. I mean, this was the worst <laughs> opening season in the SEC. I can legitimately remember. I don't remember it being this bad. It's usually, you know, SEC loses maybe one game, you know, goes 13-1 and one or what have you in the, in the first week. But there were some ups and downs. But, you know, this is a positive podcast, Shay. We're some happy-go-lucky people. Let's not start with anything bad. Let's go to the highlight. We both got this way wrong. But it was a hell of a game here, Shane. Auburn and Oregon in Arlington. And Auburn wins it 27-21. The Tigers did not have the lead in this game, Shane, until nine seconds left when Bo Nix threw it deep. He hit Seth Williams, Shane, for the game-winner 26-yard touchdown. This Bo Nix, man, he stepped up to the plate. One thing we hit on leading up to the week, this game, they almost made it seem like it was too, they bombarded him with how big this damn game is, and he just stepped into that spotlight and just just embraced it. <laughs> and I, I want to apologize to Auburn, you know, because I've been burying Gus all summer long. And I don't, I don't think I w- that was unfair, you know. I just – I was putting a lot on the quarterback. Here you're expecting a true freshman to come out and produce, and especially against week one against Oregon. I just didn't see it happening. But I tell you what, man, this kid looked like he was a three-year vet at times. And uh, you've got to be excited if you got Bo Nix as your quarterback, man. Yeah, and i got to give Oregon some credit here. I still am not – a huge fan of this Justin Hibbert quarterback guy. I don't, I don't see what people are seeing in him. I don't think he's a first-round pick. But aside from that, this is an outstanding football team. They came out. I thought they out-coached Auburn in the first half. They mm-hmm. were throwing some stuff at him. I mean, there was an opportunity there. If not for some uh, red zone miscue, Shane, Oregon was probably going to be up in this game by about 28 points early on. Of course, uh, Auburn forced a fumble. There was an Oregon receiver dropped a touchdown pass. So, I mean, sometimes you need the breaks to go your way to stay in it. But once they did, um, and I I thought it was great, Shane, all this hype for the Oregon offensive line. And that's where the the game (laughs) came down to is Auburn's defensive line, like on Oregon's offensive line. And this this defense, I mean, they basically shut Oregon out in the second half. They, They allowed seven points in the second half made some huge plays down the stretch. And uh, once kind of Kevin Steele knew what Oregon wanted to do, they basically shut him down on that side of the ball. Dude, on that fourth and one, I was like, this is it, man. This is going to decide the game. And by the time that guy got the ball, dude, they were already four yards in the backfield. This, I mean, he didn't even have a shot of getting a first down. That just shows you how big and dominant that front is. Mm-hmm. And like to see the running style there of Booby Whitlow's just a patient runner. That's what Auburn needs in this system. He went for 110 yards, Shane, on 24 carries. He's their new workhorse there. He was doing it last season. He's going to do it again this year. Uh, you know, we got to credit this offensive line, too, for kind of getting into a groove. And they just kind of, in the second half, said, let's just – 
they didn't even use Bo Nix in the air that much until the, until the game was on the line, basically. <laughs> but he delivered. Uh, so let's start right there, Shane. Let's jump to Gus Malzahn. Obviously, the story of the basically the week here in the SEC was Bo Nix's emergence and his game-winning touchdown. Uh, Gus Malzahn was asked about that. And then he also talked about the line of scrimmage uh, and just being the difference in this game for Auburn. Moments like that with Bo on fourth and three, and then obviously the touchdown pass. Did you see that in preseason? And it was things like that that made you really think that this is your guy? He has some savviness to him, there's no doubt. And of course, when the game's on the line, you know, you got to make plays. And, and that's the one thing that he showed, you know, in, in all fairness, you know, it was his first start. Um, he went against one of the better teams in the country in, in this kind of environment. Um, you know, he did some really good things, but when the game was on the line, uh, he found a way to, uh, to win the game. And uh, I think that uh, was real special for, the, for, for his first start. Gus, it looked in the second half like you almost kind of took Bo out of the game, just preferring to grind and let the defense take over. What was it about him at the end that allowed him to make those plays as a 19-year-old freshman? Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, what really stands out to me probably, um, you know, is that fourth and three play that you know they zoned it out we had a little naked where we sealed the edge and we had a guy in the flat and we had a, a seven cut deep seven cut and he was had a step or two on him uh then our our ex came across and and they were covered so it's one of those deals that you got to make a split decision could have threw the seven cut and it would have had to be a perfect throw and, and then he found a way to you know and, and and knowing where the sticks are i mean that's something sometimes you take for granted, but uh, you know he, he he was it was a really close one, but he got it, and really that was the play of the game, or we wouldn't have had anything afterwards. And then we ran smash, and then he threw a good ball to Seth over there on the sidelines that got us in field goal range, and you know so I thought it was good job of managing the clock. We didn't have any timeouts, and of course you know anytime you got a young quarterback and you're running out routes, and it, you know you can't throw the ball under the sticks where the clock runs out. And we were trying to talk on the sideline, hey, we may have enough time to clock it. Our field goal team was ready. I think there were 16 seconds left. And you can't take a sack, you know, and those things that, you know, sometimes with older quarterback you take for granted. But, you know, he handled himself really good, you know, in those moments with the game on the line. Um, you mentioned that second half shift, and it was significant. You point to conditioning. What, what is the big reason behind that? Yeah, um, you know, we talked about we need to win the line of scrimmage. We need to try to turn this game into a line of scrimmage game. And I think in the second half we were able to do that. Uh, that helped us win the game, and uh, you know that was that was real important up front. And our, I thought our offensive line did a good job too. I Man, they were presenting a lot of different looks, showing some things they hadn't showed. Um, they were playing Oki and they were moving a lot and they were mixing things up. You know, hats off to their coaches. I think they had a really good plan. All right, Shane. So, and I didn't even know this until this happened. This is pretty interesting. I, I want to add this little note, Shane. Uh, obviously, Bo Nix's father, Patrick Nix, the first time he got meaningful action in an Auburn football game, go back to 1993 Iron Bowl, Shane, he had to come in off the bench threw a touchdown very similar to Bo Nix's, and that sparked an Auburn comeback. Auburn completed the undefeated 1993 season. I mean, how wild is it that now Patrick and Bo basically start their Auburn careers on the same note? <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, you know, I got to see a little bit of him, and I don't know if it was before or after the game, but just how emotional he was for his son, you know, because he knows. 
hell, I mean, we could sit back here and we can judge our these quarterbacks and and whatnot. But this is a man that's been in that situation, that knows how big it is to not only be playing for the University of Auburn but be starting as a true freshman. Dude, that's unreal, you know. So I, I just hats off to that family. I bet Thanksgiving's gonna be nice if I keep this up. <laughs> So you've been down on Auburn all offseason. Yeah. Does this game change the narrative for you at all? Or because I mean, I you picked Auburn to win this. Give you we got to yeah. give you credit. You picked Auburn to win just like I did. But uh, then you immediately followed that up by if they lose, Gus is out. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm well, just wondering. You know, we don't want to go jump overboard on one win. No. I mean, they didn't have the lead until nine seconds in the game. But I think this Oregon is a really good team after watching them just this one time. But I'm just curious if uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on Auburn after seeing them once this season? I, th- I think Oregon honestly would love to have this game back, you know, because they had opportunity to put it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Auburn, credits to them, uh, you know, for the leadership on that team. They were able to to get back in the game and and then win here at the end. But there was a lot of there was a lot of things in there I didn't like, you know, and, and spe- mainly on offense, dude. Some of the play calling that I did see, and and I was ready, man. I was I was almost ready to hit send when I saw some of them plays come out. But, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, this is Oregon. We don't know how good Oregon is, you know. Last year, we, it, we were doing the same thing. We were talking about, oh, how great Auburn is because they beat Washington, you know, and then mm-hmm. we come to find out Washington was not that good. So, I'm not ready to crown them just yet. Uh, I want to see them when they start playing, the, obviously, some some of these SEC teams and uh, SEC defenses mainly, and and then go off it. But I will say, definitely did change my attitude toward Auburn a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge, where the Tigers won 55-3 to over Georgia Southern. We were <laughs> hyping this up as uh, not necessarily a trap game, because I think, I believe, um, I know I picked them to cover. I think you you predicted a big win here for the Tigers, and man, this offense it it came out, it showed up. And finally, we get to hear the Tigers talk about this offense, and it finally came true to where it was not a <laughs> bunch of BS. Joe Burrow, Shane, five touchdown passes. That's an all-time LSU single-season record, which that's pretty wild. LSU's never thrown for <laughs> a player's never thrown for five touchdowns in LSU history, but. Not totally surprising, uh, but on the flip side, Shane, this defense coming against a, a dangerous triple option team that won 10 games last year that returned their quarterback, I mean, they completely shut these guys down. Well, Mike, there was there was a lot of great things that came out of this game. I mean, the defense did their job, obviously, you know, but when the score was 42-3 at half, I did kind of drift off from the LSU <laughs> game. You know what I'm saying? This, this thing was out of hand before it really got started. Uh, I, I was happy to see Clydesdale get some touches, get a touchdown. But, you know, they didn't need much from him. They didn't need much from this offense, honestly. And I, I hope that they held a little bit of it back. But I'm telling you what, boy, they were they were running smooth out there. I mean, it, it just seems like – out of all the teams, honestly, I felt like LSU was the most prepared going into week one. Mm-hmm. And that's something Coach O hit on here in his postgame comments, Shane. Let's jump to Coach O. Uh, he's, we got a couple clips here we're going to play on just how many receivers got into the game. That was a big thing headed into the season, Shane. Uh, they had 14 players catch a pass in this one. Uh, so they got all these receivers involved uh, on 
basically just coming out and kicking ass. Uh, how, how much of this offense they revealed in this game, how much they held it back for Texas, and finally on his staff and all their hard work they put in all offseason preparing for this one. Want to spread the ball around the athletes, give them the ball in space and let them make plays, and uh, that's what they did. You know, again, Joe can see the field. Joe can go through his route progression. Now, opponents are going to be a little bit tougher coming up, and the pass rushers are going to be, the ball's got to come out quicker, and I know that. No, I, could, I don't think our coaching staff could have done a better job, and I don't think our, our players could have played any better. Uh, they did a, a tremendous job, and there was a, some preparation going on. There were some different calls that Dave could make. Uh, we didn't have to use because we played good fun, fundamental football. And overall, I thought the tackling was great. We worked on tackling. Uh, the thing you were as a head coach, the opening of uh, the season is missed tackles. We didn't have many tonight. You know, no, we didn't, we didn't show it all. We didn't need to. You know, the, the stuff was working on 11 personnel, but we got four wides, we have five wides. We have an empty package that we haven't used, you know. Uh, I just think, you know, Steve and Joe Birdie, uh, you know, Steve Ensminger's got, uh, got a mattress in the office with a little purple LSU blanket, and I don't think he's left since uh, the beginning of camp. Those guys, I'm saying, those guys, I go home at 10 o'clock at night, they work, and I come back at 6, they're still meeting. And they've done a tremendous job, him and Joe and the offensive staff, of putting in this offense and making it work. All right, Shane. So they said going into this one, they were prepared to roll out the entire offense if need be. But, I mean, it was just drive after drive after drive after drive <laughs> of touchdown, 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 touchdown. There was At that point, the game was over. Uh, and then they kind of went conservative. But... Uh, I think that's got to make them feel even better, knowing that uh, essentially their base offense, if that's what you want to call it, is kicking in high gear, and now they can throw out some wrinkles there. Texas has no ideas coming. Absolutely. And, again, this is a game I don't want to overreact to. It was Georgia Southern. You know what I'm saying. This isn't Texas, which is coming up. So uh, I want to tamper expectations, but I'll tell you what, they, they look good. They looked efficient. They did they did what they were supposed to, man. Right. Go out there and beat a shitty team from Georgia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They did it. That's the blueprint right there, Mike. And final note, Shane, on LSU here, college game day is officially announced. They will be at LSU at Texas this upcoming weekend. That's going to be one one hell of a game. That's obviously the game of the week uh, outside of potentially Texas A&M to the East Coast there to Clemson. So uh, two of the best games in the nation, both involving SEC teams. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Heck yeah, man. It's going to be a great week next week. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I was pretty impressed here. I know a lot of people, maybe just scoreboard watching, maybe didn't watch this. Obviously, Mississippi State fans tuned into this one or went to the game there in New Orleans. But I was very impressed here. I know it was only a 38-28 to win over Louisiana. The spread, I believe, was 20. So mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting them to cover the spread. But I'll tell you why I was so impressed, Shane, because this Tommy Stevens – adds a new dimension to this offense. I mean, he does have this touch pass. He looked, he didn't look great. He went 20 of 30 for uh, 236, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But Kylan Hill, I mean, he's he finally is kind of being <laughs> utilized in this offense. He's got 197 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I mean, he was just carving up this Louisiana defense. That's what you want to see 
from a big-time running back when you play these Sunbelt teams. Uh, but, you know, Mississippi State, they kept, there was just little stupid penalties or a turnover here or there that really kept Louisiana in this game. Uh, Louisiana did have a couple drives that were a little bit concerning, but uh, for the most part, Mississippi State just clamped down on that in the second half. What were your thoughts on Mississippi State coming away with a 38-28 win here over Louisiana on a neutral field to open the season? Well, touchdown Tommy didn't look so bad, did he, Mike? You know? <laughs> even even the, the uh, Mississippi State Twitter page, of course, they're calling him uh, what is reversed, right? Touchdown, to- no, Tommy touchdown. Tommy touchdown. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of that one. But touchdown, <laughs> Tommy did good. Uh, he didn't get the hundred yards like I thought he would. But you know, when he did have to run, he was effective. And honestly, uh, he's a great athlete. I didn't realize how good of an athlete he was until I got to see him finally. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to him in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think coach was trying to hold him back just a little bit. I don't know if you got that vibe. But uh, something that you talked about on the last podcast is you don't expect him wanting him to run much. But there's going to be games he's going to have to. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, man, old Tommy's going to be able to do it. Well, they spread it out. They really did, Shane. There's nine different targets Tommy Stevens hit. And, you know, what was missing last year was that downfield passing attack. Now, I don't believe he had any, like, deep bombs, what have you. But, I mean, 25-yard passes out to the to the sidelines – I mean, mm-hmm. this guy was putting it on the money, and that's what this offense needs to loosen up these defenses. That's what was killing it last year, everybody just creeping down into the box. Tommy Stevens, at least in this game, you know, like you said, we don't want to go overreact. He's not going to – he's not a candidate <laughs> for the Heisman at this point, but he just brings something that they didn't have last year, and it's easy to see why they went with this kid over Keaton Thompson, uh, not to say that – Thompson doesn't have that, but we just haven't really seen it. So uh, I think Joe Moorhead kind of vindicated on that decision after this one. Um, so let's jump to Joe Moorhead. And keep in mind, this was only a seven-point game at the half. But uh, Joe Moorhead talks about Kylan Hill's huge performance, Tommy Stevens, his debut, his receivers getting involved, and uh, what he calls a not-safe-for-work halftime speech he gave his team. Yeah, I think uh... – you know, we saw that in flashes last year. You know, we uh, got him healthy. You know, uh, he's feeling really good. I had an excellent training camp, and you know, we we, we talked about the possibility of a 200-yard game today, actually in pregame meal, and you know, he fell three short. But you know, he's uh, I think he's one of the premier backs in the premier backs in the uh, in the conference and in the country, and uh, I think he showed that today. Yeah, I, I think Tommy came out, and like I said, I don't have the numbers. 20-30 is it roughly, roughly kind of in that range, almost 250. Two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. You know, no interceptions. You know, had the one fumble on the on the corner blitz there. But uh, you know, I texted with Tommy last night. I said, "You've been working for this opportunity for your whole life and for the past few years." And I said, "I want you to go out. I want you to play loose. I want you to have fun." And uh, you know, for a guy to come out and make his first start and you know have that kind of production, I, I was very excited for him. And uh, I think it was a good, like I said, good, good positive step for the rest of the year. Uh, I think it was. I think it was very positive. I mean, I, I don't, like I said, don't have the numbers. Osiris made it. Osiris made a nice bunch of plays, sir. Five for eighty-eight. And you and you look at the slot position when you kind of combine those guys and what they did. Uh, Austin had a touchdown catch and a long one. 
Zuber had a nice one and then one call back. Dedrick had the screen and another one. So, you know, the other thing that I did when I addressed the offense after the team was told the guys to raise their hand if they got a touch in the game tonight. And uh, I would guess it would around an 8 to 10 range. So, uh, and then Gidry, Gidry had probably 4 or 5 too. So, good positive step for a group that we challenged to step up in the past game. And I think we could build off of it. Some of it's not suitable for work. So, decorum prohibits me kind of repeating exactly what I said, but I will paraphrase that. Uh, you know, we, we got hit with the punt, which turned it over, and then we missed the field goal. So I said we need to get our head. We need we needed to uh, find a way to make a play on special teams. All right, and uh, you know that was part of the challenge, and, and they came out and uh, Malik with the long punt return and two punts pinned at the one. And you know, punt was an issue, not issue, was an area we wanted to improve last year. Uh, we still have some substitution things we got to clean up a little bit. You know, we'll get those things fixed. But you know, it was good to see the special teams make a positive contribution in the second half. All right, Shane, sounds like uh, Moorhead had to get out on their ass a little bit here, but <laughs> that's that's all it took here in the second half. They took care of business, and uh, this thing was never really in doubt. I know Louisiana kind of came back here at the end, but uh, a 10-point win essentially on the road away from Starfield, that's, uh, I mean, Mississippi State fans probably, you know, don't, don't point point your nose up at that. I mean, there's there's a lot worse results that could have happened and did happen here in the SEC. So uh, I don't know, Shay. What are your thoughts on what Joe Moorhead had to say here? Yeah, I think he's right, man. Uh, let me ask you though uh, something I was thinking about was the suspensions. I think they said seven of them sat out. Do you think that? I mean, because there was sometimes that they did look a little sloppy themselves. You know, I think they really had an opportunity to put this game away, and they just just kept. It just felt like they got right there and then couldn't put it away. So right. um, did you feel like maybe that had something to do with the suspensions or or do you just think cause chalk it up to week one? Yeah, that's an interesting point that I hadn't thought about, Shane, because all those guys did sit out. They were all suspended. And it's they. I don't think they like publicly announced it or anything, but ESPN kept flashing all the dudes' names on the. <laughs> and it, the most troubling one, Shane, was probably the kicker. I mean, the kicker was involved there. Mississippi State had a twenty-seven yard field goal in this game, right in the middle of the field. So it was, I mean, just slightly longer than an extra point, and the backup shank the hell out of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's gonna that could really come back to haunt you if you you damn kickers suspended. I don't know if he's involved in this academic mischief, what have you, but I I assume he is if he's was one of these suspended. But uh, I don't know. That is a good point. I didn't, I had not thought of that till this moment for some reason. But that depth, those positions. I mean, that's a lot of uh, front seven defensive players and. I don't know. That's something where the Mississippi State shouldn't really be challenged until they play Kentucky. They got a couple yeah. of easy non-conference games to open up, so they got time to kind of build some depth around that. But maybe, you know, last year they got embarrassed by Kentucky. Maybe they uh, apparently they're allowed to pick what games they want to suspend these guys. So maybe you bring them all back for Kentucky because you you really need to uh, get get revenge for that last last year. <laughs> Absolutely, I. You know, let me. I, I think I would want to just go ahead and get it over with. Just the start of the season. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a weaker start of the schedule. You know, and by the time you get back to the on the, I don't know. Maybe what what's their schedule past Kentucky? So it starts obviously Louisiana. Now next week, Southern Miss at home, Kansas State at home, Kentucky at home. Then they travel to Auburn first road game. They get a bye week. Then they go to Tennessee which that doesn't look as nearly as <laughs> difficult now. Uh, they, then they return home for LSU, 
Then they go to Texas A&M, to Arkansas, get Alabama at home, Abilene Christian at home, and Ole Miss at home. Okay. No, yeah, I think maybe just – I don't know. That is curious. I think you're right on the Kentucky thing. I don't think they want to get embarrassed. They they should have a good thing going by the end. So uh, maybe bring all your starters back, especially your kicker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, games like Alabama and uh, – LSU maybe I don't know maybe those you are the ones you're looking at because the other ones that you know you're gonna really need them you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. well speaking of getting embarrassed Shane let's jump on down to Lexington where the Kentucky came out here they were struggling at first I was looking pretty good Shane I was feeling good about my upset <laughs> special Toledo jumped out to a 7-0 lead then they quickly jumped out to a 14-7 lead and then it kind of went haywire there for the Rockets, Shane. The, the Rockets <laughs> didn't get much further the launch because Kentucky came out here. Terry Wilson, what a day he had, Shane. 246 yards, two touchdowns through the air, no interceptions. Uh, and then, you know, this trio of running backs here, Shane, Cavassier Smoke, he lived up to the hype. Seven yeah, carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, the one guy that, uh, you know, we already knew about A.J. Rose, but Chris Rodriguez, this this little, um, I think they said they call him the mini Snell or what, what have you. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he was not by no means, you know, he didn't tear it up. Five carries for 34 yards, but he looked like a little tank out there. He looked like uh, the guy they need to, to kind of fill that role. And uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky, a nice, really nice uh, all-around effort here in the second half. They put t- Toledo away in this one. Oh, what about that punter, Mike? You know what I'm saying? Dude, I've never been more hyped about a punter in my life watching this guy go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it? I mean, it's just like he was pinning them deep. He, the first opening punt, he ran like seven yards. It's like, is this a fake? You know, and then all of a sudden he kicks <laughs> it 50 yards. It's like, dang, this is a, this is a pretty cool little tool to have. But – um no, I'm with you. They started, They had me worried, Mike. They had me up against the ropes because I, here I am. I, I pumped them up against Toledo, and and Toledo was exposing that secondary. And I, you know, thank God they kind of got away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it's like all of a sudden they just said, you know what, we're going to stop throwing it deep. You know, it's working too well. So <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened there, but uh, uh, Kentucky was able to get back in this game. Uh, they they. They did some bad things, obviously. There's some. There's a lot of stuff they're going to have to work on this week for sure. Um, but I actually, I as far as some of the playmakers, like you said, I thought Smoke, I thought uh, Rose did well. I thought Terry had his moments, but then mm-hmm. he had his like, then he had like, oh wait, it's still Terry. You know what I'm saying? When he, yeah, it really took him a while to get going. Yeah. So and it wasn't as mobile. I mean, he was quick back there, but he didn't do a lot with his legs. So I, I think he's going to have to expand on that, you know. But other than that, I man, think I they're th- saving his legs until SEC play would be my my thought because I think obviously last season, you know, he's not that big of a guy. They no. cannot risk getting him hurt. They have no depth at quarterback. They got the Troy graduate transfer backing him up now. So that's about the only other quarterback I think of any. I, he may be the only other scholarship quarterback on the roster, so I don't know how much they're going to mm-hmm. run him unless they have to. Uh, but, you know, the defense, like you said, they were getting kind of carved up early on. They they got into their groove. They settled down, and mm-hmm. uh, they they pretty much stuffed uh, Toledo here in the second half. 
And that's something that Mark Stoops hit on during his post-game press conference on the defense and how they were kind of struggling to get off the field at first. And also, I thought this was kind of interesting. He was asked about uh, the new leadership on the team. Obviously, last year, so many great seniors and uh, Benny's junior, Benny Snell, so much leadership gone off this unit uh, and just the new leaders emerging on the field in the season opener. Earlier you mentioned the defense kind of struggling to get off the field on third down. The offense, on the other hand, it took them a while to start converting third downs. What was going on in this situation? Yeah, I think you know that was the game early. That's why it was close early. They were converting third downs. We weren't. Part of it was they were in manageable third downs. We're pretty good when we're in manageable third downs as well. We did some silly things early. You know, the, I forget what possession it was when Terry threw the ball backwards. I mean, we get a good first game, you know, positive yards on first down. We go throw it on second down. We throw it backwards for 10 yards. You know, so that's third and 14. That's No one wants to live in that. So I think that was a big piece of it. But there's just things we got to get better at. We got we to gotta coach them up better. Or we all got to do a better job and, uh, and, you know, make it more manageable on those third downs. Um, they did a nice job. We tried pressuring. They beat us in one-on-one. We tried zone. They dumped it down. You know, so they, they they had a good plan early on in third down. I thought we settled in in the second half. Jason helps me with that. Mark, how do you think the team themselves, the players, you know, last year you guys were so veteran-led. Yeah. How did they kind of handle that today? How did you see that from the players? Yeah, I think, you know, I talked to them about that afterwards. I want to see our identity grow you know, some more with this team. This is our team now. And it was, it was such a, uh, you know, dominant personality team a year ago. And um, and so, you know, we have some, some guys that uh, will flourish this year and, you know, and, and, you know, let them find their voice and uh, be leaders and it'll come. And uh, so we just got to continue to stay the course and, and get better. And, and uh, overall, though, I do want our, our identity to grow. All right, Shane. So, Mark Stoops, it was kind of interesting. I mean, I, this is this is a new era of Kentucky, Shane. I mean, you win by 14 points, and he's pretty pissed off about uh, his team's performance. And I, if I'm a Wildcat fan, I've kind of I like that attitude from Coach Stoops. Absolutely, because like I said, there was a lot of bad things that happened in this game too. That if it were against a a, a more high profile team that they may have walked away with an L and they had the I thought they had a great game plan I really I did like the offense and the defense when they needed it really did come through so um there's coaches upset and he should be but again week one and you came away with the victory so I I think you you know you live you learn you do some film study you get back next week and uh, get back to Kentucky ball because you know, they kind of wanted to go pass heavy, but it seems like when they started really running like they did last year, that's when they started doing better. So I don't know. I don't know about the balance going forward, but I did like these running backs. All right, Shane. So I'm not sure how I got roped into this damn thing, but. Okay. I was, I was going to, I was waiting for you to go to the next team. I was going to say, whoa, 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 not so fast, my friend. You got a bet to pay. Well, how's it a bet if I didn't even, I'm not even involved in this, am I? I, how can you not be? Didn't you didn't you tweet something like there's no way? Yeah, I think you picked an upset on this one. Yeah, I mean I you did, picked them I, to I lose. Did, I, I picked them to lose, but then uh, somehow you 
warp that into a bet that I have to now pay you. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> trying to wrap my head around how this happened. Well, uh, you made a terrible selection by picking Toledo to beat Kentucky. And Kentucky beat Toledo. And you've got a magical voice and you got to pay up your debt. That's, right. that's what this is. So let's go ahead and cue the music. You ready, Mike? Let's go ahead and read this uh, bedtime story. Okay, apparently th- this is called Goodnight Moon, and I did not agree to do this, but I'm, I'm, going to, I'm doing it anyway. In the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of a cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on the stairs and two little kittens and a pair of mittens and a little toy house, and a young mouse, and a comb and a brush, and a bowl, bowl full of mush, and a quiet old lady who whispered, hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, light in the red balloon. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens. Good night, mittens. Good night, clocks good night socks good night little house good night mouse good night comb good night brush good night nobody good night mush good night to the old lady whispering hush good night stars good night air good night noises everywhere all right that's it (laughs) that's that's it that's enough that's a long one i didn't know it was that long i just thought he said like 10 lines so (laughs) Thanks for uh, volunteering me to do that one there, Shane. Hey, thanks for paying your bet there, Mike. appreciate that. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to, well, really Nashville here, where Georgia, they opened a can of whoop-ass here on Vanderbilt to start things out. They, you know, they it went a little bit slower. There's a little sluggish there in the second half, but Georgia pulled away 30-6. to six. They, they At least they covered. I'll give them that. But, uh, you know, Georgia did look, I don't want to say maybe sluggish is the right word, but... I mean, they just came out firing on all cylinders. The line was just, I mean, they were just making huge holes. It's interesting mm-hmm. watching Tennessee play where there's no holes, <laughs> and then you watch Georgia, and there's just massive holes on damn near every possession. But that's how it was for Georgia early on. They put up two scores, two touchdowns, back-to-back drives. And, I mean, it was basically over from that point. Uh, DeAndre Swift r- ran wild. Brian Harrion, I mean, Georgia – some people are mad at me, Shane. I got Georgia still up number one in my power rankings. The Bulldogs, 40 rushes, 325 rushing yards on an SEC defense. That's why I got Georgia number one in the SEC right now because you run on an SEC defense like this, I don't care who it is, uh, I've got a ton of respect for you. <laughs> the running backs were killer. It's so good. I mean, did you see Zeus out there? Like every, I mean, he only he only took it a few times, but he still had over fifty yards rushing. He's five for fifty-one. You know what I'm saying? So right. that was the third leading back on that team. So they they just did whatever they wanted against Bandy. Um, and I will say this: on the flip side of the coin, Bandy had its moments. And honestly, I'm not sold on the quarterback situation here. I I, I think that uh, you know. There was, there was plenty of times I would see Lipscomb, like, wide open. And, 
you know, I'm sure Kirby's going to use that saying, hey, they didn't catch the ball, but damn, this guy's wide open. You know what I'm saying? If they had a decent quarterback getting him the ball, that would have been a first down. So I, I think it was a good learning tool for Georgia, but Vandy, you know, Vandy had its moments to move the ball too, and they just kept falling short, man. And they're killing themselves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was my main takeaway here for the Commodore, Shane. I don't think that they would have had any chance to win this game. But watching wow. this team, I think they got a couple SEC wins in them if the yeah. quarterbacks – I mean, they have to take a big step forward. But yeah. if they can do that, I mean, that was just a huge question question heading into the season. And it remains – of course, you're playing Georgia's – defense who it looks like they got uh, some pass rush now I mean they were stuffing guys there they were getting tons of sacks in this one uh, I mean they, they were creating havoc uh, it seemed like often in this one uh, Keyshawn Von Shane they I mean he got 74 yards but that seems like shutting him down Elijah <laughs> Lipcone only got eight yards receiving so uh, the Bulldogs knew who they had to limit and they did it uh, but you got to give Vanderbilt a ton of credit for not giving up. I mean, they, they only scored six in the first half, got shut out in the second half. But that defense, man, they kept they kept this team, I don't want to say in it, but they kept the – I mean, I, me and my bookie were sweating this one out, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was 21-6 at half. I, I mean, 21-6, best team. I think Georgia's the best team in the nation. And the fact that it's 21-6 at half just – that just goes to show just how good Vanderbilt defense could be. So, um, no, they. I mean, this is a <laughs> – I don't like to use the word moral victory, but that's what this was, man. And they did it at an away game. Did you see how many damn Georgia fans are at this stadium? Yeah, I'd say about 80%. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. For... With, Zemir, with Zemir ran, and then they just started yelling Zeus. And, the, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, we're in Vanderbilt. I keep forgetting. And one other thing on the Bulldogs here I, sh- I thought was pretty uh, noteworthy here, Demetrius Robertson. He kind of went wild there at the beginning. He was their leading receiver, and he also added uh, 29 rushing yards on two attempts there. So that – he seems to finally be living up to the hype in that Bulldog system, kind of being that X factor they really need. Uh, that's something Kirby hit on when he was asked about uh, the breakout players, talking about Zamir White, talking about D-Rob, uh, the explosive offense. And then he does hit on the fact so many Georgia fans, Shane, showed up there in Nashville. And then on the back end of this clip, we're just we're going to throw Derek Mason's comments as well, where he talks about uh, his quarterback's play, or lack thereof, I guess you could say it, and the fact that uh, his defense refused to quit in this one. You're glad to see Guys doing good things first time, you know, for Georgia's mayor, D Rob. Uh, yeah, I was excited for those guys. Those guys busted their tail for you know, D Rob there for two years, you know, busting his tail and getting an opportunity to make some plays. I thought he was uh, very comfortable. Um, he was dominant on special teams. He's a uh, gunner hold up, which he gets no credit for. And uh, he and Matt Landers were as dominant a performance as we've ever had out there. And he goes as kind of an unsung hero. And uh, Samir did a tremendous job and he got his opportunity. That we have a chance to be explosive offensively, and uh, we're going to try to be aggressive defensively. I, mean, I, I really feel like I'm, the backs I kind of knew about. The wideouts got chance, some chances to make some plays, a couple balls, 
you know, George there, I think he even caught one of those and he got an opportunity and it was just out of range for him. A couple of the other guys made good catches and made plays. So I feel good about that. But it's not like I, I agree with you that it's going to be blown out of proportion, either really positive or they struggle in the second half. But that doesn't matter to us. All we're doing is we're going back to work Monday and we're going to go out there and go good on good and we're going to put the hammer down and find out who's going to get better. We got 72, 73, 74, 75 players that are the 77, I mean, all the way up that are wanting to be on this trip. And they're going to come out there and try to take somebody's job. What did you make of Oh, it says everything about Georgia. I mean, the University of Georgia is a special place. The reason all y'all are here is covering Georgia, right? I mean, Georgia's an unbelievable market. Georgia's an unbelievable university. It's a great academic institution. They travel well. They love their fan. I mean, they love the fans love the stadium. They love our place. They want to go. So, I mean, I'm proud to be from the University of Georgia. I'm proud to be an alumni of the University of Georgia. And I know that our fans turn out because they want to be recognized. They want to be great. They want to be part of something special, and so do we. So, um, the two groups aligned for sure. Um, I think it was what the defense gave him. I thought they did a good job of playing top down, not not wanting to give up anything on the outside, you know, early. And that's really what it became. It became that type of, you know, ball game where, you know, roll coverage sort of found collage most of the day. Uh, you know, in terms of what it looked like. I mean, they were going to play over the top and try to single everybody else and make everybody else, you don't have to stand up. And uh, I mean, there were a couple of times with Riley, I mean, he did a great job with his feet getting out of the pocket, but there was times where he needed to climb the pocket as well. So, you know, like that being said, I, I, I thought, you know, first half was solid, second half, we, we've got to be better. We needed more, and we didn't function very well. So we'll go back, we'll take a look at it. Like I said, take any information and figure out where to go. I thought it was about, you know, attacking, making them a little more like one dimensional and being able to get them the third down. You know, the, the reality for us is that we didn't tackle well, you know, in the first half. And, you know, even in the second half, I mean, we bled a little bit, but you saw guys straining. I thought there was a lot more strain in the second half. Um, and, and, that, and, and that was good to see. We needed that. I mean, we're down some guys right now, you know, probably like most teams, but with that, you know, I mean, just challenge guys, man, to strain a little more, play a little harder, fight a little harder to get off blocks, you know, like be a little tougher on the edges and on the perimeter and challenge more, you know, outside. And I thought those guys did that. All right, Shane. So a lot to take in there, but, uh, you know, Kirby, I think, I think this is kind of why he's so effective recruiting trail, Shane. He's a Georgia guy. He's from Georgia, played at Georgia. Now he's coaching at Georgia. You know, come be part of uh, something that's so special here that these fans, I mean, I I can't think of many other fans that do this, uh, to invade Vanderbilt quite like this. And uh, it just kind of was a special scene there in Nashville with, with all the Bulldogs fans. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's almost like he's buying into the narrative that, this is special. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm reading into it, but I think I think Kirby knows that this is the year. Like, if there's going to be a shot to win it all, it's going to be this year. And it just felt like it was kind of oozing out there at the uh, press conference there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Atlanta or Alabama. They started slow, Shane. It's pretty wild when you start really slow – didn't even score in the first quarter, Shane, but you come away with a 42-3 to win over Duke. I don't know if that says more about Duke or it says about Alabama, but Crimson Tide just carved up Duke after that point. To us, Shane, 26-31, 336 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. But 
I don't know, the ground game was not really working a ton there till the second half. They do finish with 145 yards on the ground, but I don't know, Shane. I, as crazy as it is to say, they covered the spread at 500 total yards of offense. <laughs> I was not completely convinced outside of, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell. We know these guys are awesome. They had great games, but they're playing – they're playing damn Duke. I don't know. I just I came away with this one. I was I wasn't that impressed. Well, I don't want to say that, Mike. I mean, here you held Harris, Duke's quarterback, mm-hmm. to less than a hundred yards passing. I mean, this is Cutcliffe system. The guy has camps. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you would think. You would think like if anybody could get over a hundred yards passing against Alabama, it would be somebody like Coach Cutcliffe. So. I wasn't. I mean, yes, the offense looked a little sluggish at times. At the, you know, especially the first half. But man, that defense was there, and the defense was a lot better than I thought they would be. You know, uh, at down linebackers. I mean, I just there were so many variables in this game. You know, everybody was worried about the running backs coming in and everything like that. But I'll tell you what, man, that defense surprised me. I didn't. I knew they'd be good, but I thought, and maybe Duke. Maybe I'm just overhyping Duke this season, but it just felt like that defense was a lot better than I saw last year. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just mad that uh, Duke did not cover the 35, Shane. I was, <laughs> I'm pretty pissed off at that, i got to be honest with you. Uh, so l- let's jump to Nick Saban after this one where he talks about uh, the guy that I think should be the Heisman frontrunner here, Tua, uh, on Alabama's slow start in his reaction to Sarkeesian's play calling, which – uh, you know, at the end of the day here, they put up a ton of yards, a ton of points here. I think it was a good day for Sarkeesian. Well, first of all, Tua, I thought, played really well in the game because he took what the defense gave. Uh, there was a couple times that he probably could have thrown the ball when he handed it off, uh, probably down distance-wise. And, you know, it was uh, probably one of the worst things we did is have second and one with three minutes to go and a half, not be able to convert on third and one after a bad play on second and one and gave them the ball back, and they went two minutes and got. Uh, you never want to give the other team the ball back, whether you score or not. You don't want to give the team the ball back you know, before the half. And um, that was probably something that wasn't great that we did on offense, not necessarily to his fault. But um, I thought he played well in the game. He usually plays well when he's patient and takes what the defense gives. So You talk about that uh, slow start. Uh, to the team there. Was that due to something dealing with that it's the first game of the season, mishaps, chemistry, timing, or was it that their defense was just playing that good? Well, I think their defense was playing really well. So, um, But I also think that we were probably you know, not firing on all cylinders for whatever reasons, maybe a little anxiety with some of the new players. Um, and you know, we had a couple players that weren't playing early in the game, so we had some young players playing. Um, at some positions, but you know, first game jitters. I'm not making excuses for anybody. We need to be able to start fast and finish strong, and uh, we'll certainly look into it. And but I'm sure that when we look at the film, it's going to be because of a lack of execution, whether it's fundamental footwork or however we block people or didn't block people. Or um, and you know, as the game wore on, I thought we we did a little better job of that. And um, the play calling that Sark did, and how it seemed, uh, you know, Jerry Judy in particular seemed to have a big night, in, in part because of it. Well, I, I think that uh, Sark did a good job in the game. 
Uh, you never know how first games are going to go. I think we started out a little bit, you know, maybe trying to run the ball, and then, you know, we just decided, hey, the way they're playing, we're going to have to throw the ball on first down and get the ball to our playmakers' hands on the perimeter and make them play on the perimeter. And, you know, when we started doing that, I think that, you know, those guys made a lot of plays. And Jerry obviously played well in the game, but, you know, we think we have four or five guys at that position that can make plays, and hopefully we'll utilize all their skill set, um, you know, here in the games to come. All right, Shane, so Saban, you know, he wasn't too fired up. I think he was just kind of nonchalant with this one. I was proud of his team here, came up and whipped up on the Dukies here. But, uh, (laughs) you know, Sarkeesian, I think how he calls the game moving forward, that's going to be something to watch. Uh, Yes, it's a non-conference game, but I just don't know Saban, how happy he's going to be with uh, 42 carries for 145 rushing yards. That's – Three and a half yards a clip. I mean, that's basically what Duke got on the ground. Uh, thoughts on uh, Sarkeesian, if we're going to be at any point saying, you know, this team needs to uh, be running the dang ball. Mike, listening to that press conference, it almost felt to me like Saban was upset he had to show his playbook. And I, I think in his mind, maybe the team's mind, maybe film study or something like that, they thought – hey, we could just play good defense, we can just run the ball, we can get in and out. And when we're sitting here at 14-3 at half, I think it, he kind of had a, I don't know, like we've got to do something. We've got to get some points on the board. All right. And I think he turned to Steve. This is in my mind. This is not anything I've read. And he said, all right, go ahead and cut them loose. You know, and then next thing you know, they're up 42 points. So I think this was more about – uh, they had a plan. They weren't able to stick with it, and I think it crushes Saban's soul when he can't just win a game with defense and running backs anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Fayetteville, where Arkansas got the win, but it kind of felt like a loss. 20-13 <laughs> <laughs> over Portland State, mighty Portland State. Uh, I was not even aware what this team, their jerseys look like till Saturday, but – uh, boy, Shane, this uh, this offense still not kicking in a high gear. John Chavis's defense still carrying the day here for the Razorbacks. And if not for Rakeem Boyd, Shane, I don't know if the Razorbacks win this game. Uh, he had 18 rushes for 114 yards and a touchdown. He also had three catches for 22 yards. I mean, he's a difference maker. But outside of that, you know, uh, Trey Knox a little dinged up heading into this one. Maybe that's part of it, but. These quarterbacks, Shane, they, they, I don't know. I mean, the funniest thing of the whole damn game was Nick Starkle. They bring him in. Fans are getting fired up. His first pass was one of the most god-awful interceptions I've ever seen. I mean, the guy right in front of him, he just threw it right at him. But I don't know, Shane. What do you make of, the, of this one? Arkansas, a lot of, a lot of high hopes that uh, things are improving there. And I'm not saying they're not, but seven-point win over Portland State doesn't inspire much confidence. Yeah, I hope there wasn't a lot of celebrating in that locker room, Mike. You know, I mean, this was a this was a pretty bad performance, and and it started out with hit. I just I, you just knew Stark was going to come in and look, Mike. We're starting the same damn thing we did last year. We're going to bounce these quarterbacks around. Uh, Hicks has got the starting job, and if you listen, to Coach, he still got the starting job. Yet you throw Starkle in. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Does he have the starting job or does he not? If if you feel like Starkle can give you something, then 
go with Starkle. Don't force him in there because he all he's going to want to do is try to make a play, which he tried to do, and it got picked off. You know what I'm saying? Now he's now he knows he's he's got a two drives, he's got a two series leash. You know, so he's got two series to prove to coach why he should be in there, and that just it creates bad chemistry. I, I don't like that. Uh, Arkansas look they look bad at times, man. I mean. And this is coming from Tennessee fan. They there there was times, you know, it just felt like they could not get a third down conversion to save their life. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not impressed with this offense at all. So let's jump right there to Chad Moore. Shane asked about his quarterback play, and we're only using about half the clips here. Shane, half the thing was about quarterback play, and you know he's he's pretty adamant that Ben Hicks was going to remain the starter, and he got about four more other questions. Are you sure Ben Hicks is uh, starting next week? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I thought Nick did. I thought Nick did well. I thought Ben did well. Uh, I don't think either one of them did anything um, that would just that would shock you. Um, I, uh, you know, I thought Ben Ben managed the game. Um, got us in some some right calls at, 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 in certain situations. We weren't we weren't in all the right calls, but uh, uh, I thought he was just okay. Um, I mean, I, I didn't think we played very well offensively at all. I think Rakeem Boyd had 114 yards. We did do some things there. We ran the ball for over 200 yards, which is a goal of ours. Um, but overall, just the, the flow of things offensively was was uh, entirely too many third downs. Just wasn't wasn't what we're what what we're what we want. You were going to play Nick. Mm-hmm. What was the thought process behind putting him in at the end of the second half, yeah. the second quarter? Yeah, and, and I, I wanted Nick to get in in some meaningful snaps. And um, and just see how he could respond. And did he know that it was only going to be for those those two series? He knew he was going in, um, but I, I mean, we didn't sit down and say you're going to play two series. We we wouldn't do that. Um, but I did tell him, and he knew that all week long that he was going to go in, and he was going to go in sometime in the first half when the game was in some meaningful moments. And because uh, I wanted to see how he was, would respond, and so that was it. Ben, is he definitely your starter for next week? And did you think about playing mm-hmm. Nick more? Uh, you know, I, I didn't. Um, I thought that our possessions were limited in the second half. Um, but no, you know, we'll, we'll go back and Ben's. We'll go back in and reevaluate, and Ben will be back in there next week. And we'll uh, we got to get these guys ready, though. I mean, this is a long season. All right, Shane. So uh, Chad Morris, there is. I mean, he's pretty steadfast. Ben Hicks is our guy, at least for now. He was 14-29 for 143 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Nick Starkle, 4-5 for 48 and that terrible interception. So, I don't know, it just seems like they're still trying to catch Nick Starkle up to speed here. And I guess that first throw, that, that kind of explains why uh, Chad Morris maybe doesn't trust him to, to run the offense at this point. But now this is a game they play at Ole Miss next week. Crucial game. I think it's fair to say a season-defining game here, and if they if they don't get this one done, Shane, I mean, I think we're looking at another three to four win season. Dude, we went into this game hoping that we get to see the third and fourth quarterback. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, take a second and think about that. And then at halftime, we're sitting there; it's ten to six against an FCS opponent. So yeah, I think there is. There's some very concerned fans over there in Arkansas because what they put on the field this week will not win them any more games going forward. I guarantee you that. Yeah. All right, Shane. <laughs> Sticking on this theme of depressedness, let's let's jump on down to Memphis here. 
where, man, what a what a barn burner this one was. Memphis beats Ole Miss 15 to 10. I had this game completely wrong, Shane. I thought it would be a high-scoring affair. I got to give a ton of credit, though, to Mike McIntyre and his defense. Ole Miss here, they surrendered a touchdown early on, but basically from that point on, Shane, they were – man, they, they kept the Rebels in this thing. It took four quarters for Ole Miss offense to do anything. Rich Rod, Matt Corral, they just – they look discombobulated, I guess is the right word, but – and they and, – I don't know. Memphis didn't look a ton a lot better, but they just looked slightly better. <laughs> well, and let me say this, man. Memphis got that score off a bull-ass call. I don't I don't know if you remember this, but the refing the passer, mm-hmm. that, that was ridiculous. The guy was already lunging when he threw the ball. And uh, how, how are you supposed to stop? How are you supposed to let up? So they got the roughing the passer, they get the yardage, and next thing you know, they score a touchdown. Lo and behold, that was like the only touchdown they would have for a long time. You're talking about a totally different defense is Ole Miss. I mean, from what they had last year to what I saw this year, granted, first game against Memphis, don't want to get too carried away, but – these guys were on the field the entire game because Rich Rod was making these guys go three and out on offense, which, by the way, is the worst offense I've seen. And I've seen some pretty bad offenses this week. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, I don't, I'm worried about Corral. I, I don't know. I, I'm worried about this whole offense. And because when the defense is doing so well, you go three and out and you do it in hurry-up style. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like – these guys, these guys had to be winded, and to be able to keep Memphis in check was very impressive. And if they had just a resemblance of offense, or resemblance of what they had last year on offense, uh, <laughs> they easily could have won this game, man. Yeah, you hit on it there. That's a that's a good stat by you, Shane. Total plays there. Memphis had 82. Ole Miss only had 52. Uh, Matt Corral less than 100 yards passing, no touchdowns, interception. Mm. Uh, Ole Miss, 33 rushes for 80 yards. It's 2.4 average. I mean, that's that's abysmal. Things have got to change there. But, you know, they got Rich Rod. So, they, I don't know. I don't know if I like this matchup against Arkansas. I think I like Arkansas's yeah. defense over this. But then you flip it to the other side, Arkansas offense versus Ole Miss defense. Probably going to give the Rebels the edge there. So, we could be looking at another 15-10 to 10 ball game here next week, Shane. And, uh, that's something kind of Matt Luke. He didn't, you know, preview Arkansas here, but he gave a ton of credit to his defense and and them just kind of keeping them in the game this this week. What in particular impressed you about the defense? Um, just them, you know, getting getting stops and keeping keeping it in the football game. I think we had I'm not sure twenty one or twenty two snaps in the first half, and they had like forty five. So they were on the field the whole time, and they just kept giving us chances. You know, Benito having a big uh, turnover. And, keeping us in the game with the opportunity to win it. Um, and, you know, with the way we performed on offense, probably more fortunate to, to, be, to be that. But our defense kept us in the game until the fourth quarter. Did you feel like uh, your defense was a little bit winded there at the end, Matt? Yeah, they, they played a bunch of snaps. So I think, I think they were. I thought, uh, thought our conditioning was good. And, um, you know, maybe one or two cramps, you know. But I thought, thought our conditioning was good. But I, I'm sure it did take its toll. All right, Shane. So... Mm. Just, there's just not a lot of positives here. At least, you know, I thought there. Was, if you lose a shootout, you know, there's a play here or there where you think, hey, maybe we could have just, you know, if we would have made this catch or made this tackle. But 
here, this was just kind of like just an ugly-ass loss that sets the tone for the season. It really does, and I'm, I'm so worried about this quarterback situation because there is no situation. It's like Matt. That's it. You know, there's nobody backing him up. There's no – and and I thought he'd be further along, and I'm telling you, he looked horrible. This offense looked horrible. And, uh, again, I saw a lot of bad play this week, and I, I've said that probably 50 times. This is such a depressing pod, Mike. I, you know, this is this is an embarrassment. SEC was an embarrassment week one. You know, we talked about, what, three, four teams that looked really good. Well, the rest of them, you cannot be happy. You know what I'm saying? Florida squeaking out. I mean, just it, you could do all the – like the East. The East is horrible, man. Or at least they showed up horrible. Well, sticking uh. on that theme, Shane, let's jump on down to Charlotte where the, this was the biggest stunner for me of the weekend. North Carolina comes away with a 24-20 to 20 win over the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks mm. were up 20-9 to 9 very late in the third quarter. Man, Shane, how does Will Muschamp and company come back from this? Jake Bentley, the last two possessions for the Gamecocks. I mean, Gamecock fans are already out on this kid. He threw two interceptions to close out the game. One, you know, he may have had an open touchdown, so that's rough. And then this game, Shane, uh, when I mentioned South Carolina had a 20-9 to lead, they pinned Carolina back, North Carolina that is, Back twice in a row, North Carolina responds with a 98-yard drive, and then they follow that up with a 95-yard drive to take the lead in this one. And, man, Shane, this is this is just a terrible look for Muschamp and company. And I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think fire, changes, fire changes need to be changed, you know? You got, you got to fire up Polinsky. You know, I was willing to give Benley a shot. You know, I was hearing all the right things. But th- we've been hearing this for three years, Mike, going into year four. You know what I'm saying? He just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. And and it's not fair to the rest of the team uh, because, he, like you said, they're up 29. Yes. I. All right. Let me just calm down for a second. But you make a, you make a good point, Shane, because, I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan, you look at the opposite sideline, you're getting beat by a true freshman. That that South Carolina was recruiting, you know what I mean. But yeah. I think they got a better one in Helinski. So if you got a better option, just sitting on the sideline, I don't know if he's ready or not. Only, you know, the offensive coaches know that. But it's hard to look at this and then and not want to at least give him a shot. If you're a South Carolina fan, I just I don't know if that's going to happen. It seems like Will Muschamp kind of man. He gave a depressing, depressing press conference let's jump to his comments where he kind of indicates every position's open he's kind of said that before but i don't know if he's being truthful here but he asked about his team's performance on on the issues there on jake bentley and then finally on you know everything being open here in columbia how surprised are you by the way you're taking i just defensively i thought we played much better I, you know obviously offensively i felt like in the first half we moved the ball we didn't capitalize on some opportunities that we had and then uh, we just got to go back and, and look at the second half and why we weren't moving the ball better. You spoke a lot of the offseason about how pleased you were along both lines of scrimmage. What did you see out of those guys? I'm disappointed today, obviously. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. That's not where I thought we were. You know, Gage and coming into the first game, I thought we'd be further along and we're not. 
do you feel do you feel like you're in a tweak situation or in a major realignment situation? No, we just need to we'll find out some things, narrow down some things. Obviously, we can do better, and, and that's what we're going to do. And again, we have the game in the balance of 20 to nine, and we got to take advantage of that situation. And uh, we didn't take advantage of it. We gave them life, and that's you can't do that. How do you feel about this team responding to a performance like that? I think that? we're going to be fine because we have good leadership. We have good good young men in that locker room. Yeah. Well, how'd you feel about Jake's play overall, particularly late, the, the, the last drive there? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go back and look at it. Obviously, when you get into a loose down situation, they know we need a touchdown to win the game. They're pinning their ears back up front. They had a good push in the pocket. Uh, so we'll, we'll go back and evaluate it. Well, is there a case with Jake, you know, throwing a couple of picks late? Well, we just need to go back and evaluate the, the, our team at all positions right now and then see what we need to do and put our best foot forward. Is that a frustrating comment to have to make after game one? Yeah. You have to go back and look at everything? Right. Mm -hmm. right. All right, Shane. Walking to the podium, mm -hmm. it looked like he had been crying before this. I, I would not be surprised <laughs> if tears were rolling before he got up here, but... Man, it's just, uh, if I'm a South Carolina fan, I understand. I'd, I'd be pretty pissed because there's a, I don't want to say a ton of hype heading into this season, but there was enough hype to where fourth year in a program, you cannot be losing to a North Carolina program that just won 10 games and has a new staff and starting a true freshman quarterback. <sighs> he may be crying because he saw my wallet, you know, because I put $100 on <laughs> <for> this game. <laughs> Oh, I was feeling pretty good, man, there at the end of the third quarter. But um, but I tell you what, I was just as mad at Bentley as some of them South Carolina fans. I'm ready for Helensky. I'm ready for him to get in there. It's time because you know what's worse than, than Bentley this week is a scared Bentley next week because then he's going to second-guess every throw that he makes. He's not going to – I mean, this offense is built on getting vertical and getting quick, and he's just—he's not going to be able to do it. He's—he's he's too afraid. He—he he does not have it. So I'm—I'm um, I'm ready for a quarterback change. I mean, this kid—he's had. What is he going to learn from one week to another? You know what I'm saying? The kid's had three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Something—something something needs to be changed. Something needs to be changed up there in Columbia. Otherwise. Uh... I mean, they're looking at a disastrous season if they can't even beat North Carolina. Feaster's like, is there a rescission window? You know, like, can I go back? You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be a backup at Clemson than be behind this guy, you know? Well, speaking just as bad, Shane, I guess, if you want to say it's sticking here in the SEC East, Missouri, the elevation got them. I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I was very confident that they would not cover the 17-and-a-half-point spread, but – I honestly, I had no, no thought that they would lose this game, but that's what happens. Wyoming comes away with the 37-31 victory over our number two team in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, Shane, Missouri jumped out to a 14-0 lead. You're looking good. That's the team you kind of envisioned coming into the season. And Wyoming rips off 27 second, half, second quarter, I should say, points. And Missouri just never recovered. I mean, they had they needed a late rally to lose by six, Shane. And Kelly Bryant, I mean, he had a ton of yards, but I don't know, Shane. I mean, this is uh, this is troubling because if you can't beat Wyoming, I don't. I think they went six and six last year, and 
I'm like, Barry Odom, how long is it going to take this guy? Kind of like Will Muschamp, defensive coach here. How long is it going to take him to get his defense in gear here? There's no excuse for allowing Wyoming 37 points, but the quarterback didn't even mm-hmm. throw for 100 yards. <laughs> I know. I know, but they didn't have to because they their running backs were averaging like eight yards a carry. You know what I'm saying? I, as, as much hype as I gave Missouri offense, maybe I should have tampered the uh, the Missouri defense because there was times they looked god-awful out there. Uh, these guys were able to just run right over them. And this isn't an SEC opponent. This isn't an SEC offensive line. This is Wyoming. Missouri needs to do a better job at being balanced on offense, you know? It felt like there for a minute. Right, you want to showcase his arm, and you got uh, plenty of talent at the receivers, but you got Roundtree back there, man. And Roundtree could not get. I think he. I think he averaged like three yards rushing an attempt. You know, they just couldn't get anything going there, and they became one dimensional. And this thing, this thing was over in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Shane. I mean, I think if I'm Missouri. I gotta drop this bull band because I don't know if we're going there now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dro- oh, drop, I just, drop the appeal. Drop the appeal. I'm surprised I didn't bet on this game, man. Uh, you know, this was a bad one. Uh, but maybe you know, a lot of people don't know. Not a lot of people watch this Missouri Wyoming game. You know what I'm saying? Outside uh, diehard Missouri or college football fans, I don't think a lot of people realized that they went up to Wyoming and got their asses kicked. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of getting their asses kicked, Shane, we got uh, Barry Odom here. This is the only clip I had. It's kind of a sad, sad, somber Odom taking blame for this one and uh, where Missouri goes from here. Obviously very, very, obviously very, very disappointed, you know, uh, devastated for uh, all the people that have invested into um, getting to this opportunity. And, Credit to Wyoming and and Craig did a did a great job had a had a wonderful uh, game plan and um, you know they they've uh, capitalized on turnovers we obviously can't in any game walk out and be minus three in the in the turnover margin we're not you know, our margin of error is pretty slim um, momentum started out really good on our our front 14-0 and then and then we lost it all and took a long long time to to bounce back and get in position to uh, go win the game so I hate it for my guys um, you know challenge of looking in the mirror and realizing the reality of, of what what uh, took place and and then making corrections working and quit talking about it and, and let's go do it and it starts with me all right, Shane. So I mean, he sounds pretty defeated there. All this season of hype, they were, t- you know, a lot of team. A lot of times, these teams get so much hype and they kind of, they don't embrace it. You know, they they kind of talk it down. One reason I was so high on Missouri, it just seemed like they welcomed it and they were eager to show what they've been building up there in Columbia. And they, you know, it was kind of like a us against the world mentality. Kelly Bryant could have went to Auburn. He could have went to Mississippi State. He could have went to Arkansas. He had other options, but he chose Missouri, Shane. And right now, he's got to be wondering, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> You're right, man. And and I, I I wanted to say, well, maybe they're looking ahead, but to West Virginia? You know what I'm saying? It's like now I'm worried about West Virginia. Uh, it's just – I don't know. Maybe they just thought they could go up there, up on top of the mountain, and just 
do their thing and come home. But I don't know, man. They they were not ready, and them them Cowboys were, son. All right, Shane, last game on the docket here. Of course, we saved the worst for the last here. Let's go to, down to Rocky Top where Tennessee dropped the season opener to Georgia State 38-30. to uh, If anyone wants Shane's unfiltered comments there, go to the uh, emergency podcast we posted there on Sunday. But uh, now that you've had time to rethink this one, Shane, any takeaways from this one? I mean, it's just it just was a truly uninspiring performance in, in Georgia State. I mean, they – own the second half in Neyland Stadium. Yeah, it. you know, I thought another day, another sleep, I'd be in a better mood, you know, about it. But I'm still very upset because I just witnessed the worst game in Tennessee football history. I mean, and speaking of Wyoming, I thought it was when Fulmer went up there and lost to Wyoming. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, it was, Georgia, it was Georgia State. I don't even know where they're at. You know, I don't even know what their mascot is. It's just this team came up. They were prepared. We were not. And coach, coach, you know, he didn't want to blame the players, but it felt like there was a little bit of that. But then, you know, coach owned it and said, you know, this is on him and yada, yada, yada. But uh, this is on everybody, everybody involved, because they were just not prepared. And I've never seen a team like – they, we didn't have an answer for anything that Georgia State put on the field for offense, Mike. I mean, it was just unreal, unbelievable. Well, you talked about Coach Bruce Shane. Let's jump to his postgame presser. Pretty deflating here, but he kind of challenged uh, not just the players, but just basically everyone. Got to look themselves in the mirror after this one. Well, the. Lots of times in the game, the most important drive is the drive right after half, right? So, um, you know, it, that was very disappointing um, because they continued to do the things that they'd done in the first half. And, you know, we went and, and felt like we had a good plan moving out the second half. But a couple of boots got away from us there. Didn't take a guy on a three-through one time and um, a little late to the tight end in the flat. And, you know, we're, we're, we, we have to be able to – to execute at a high level, okay? Uh, and we wasn't far away, okay, a lot of times, but we wasn't where we needed to be, if that makes sense. So, hey, we know we got this guy man-to-man, okay, but maybe the, the alignment was not exactly right. And that goes back to me, and I, we've got to go back and make sure that our guys have an understanding, um, you know, and when you look at it, um, I've seen this before. Um, when you get in games, when you got some young guys or some inexperienced guys, you have anxiety, um, and you know, hey, you you forget the the details, right, of of, of what you've learned. So, hey, we we've got we, that's who we got. We got some young guys, and they have talent. Okay, we got to coach them up and get them to play at a high level. Uh, but again, you got to give Georgia State credit, right? So, there's lots of times when we lined up in the game, how we lined up. Based off the schematic scheme that they did, we didn't have a chance. Okay, the first thing we got to do is get lined up. Patrick, David. Jeremy, what did you think of the way your guys played up front on, on the line of scrimmage on both lines? Well, uh, you, you can look at the yards rushing, right? So Georgia State rushed for 213 and Tennessee rushed for 93. I think that tells the tale. Um, I'm not sure that based off how the defensive played, um, did we act, did we give our offensive line a chance to dominate the game? 
because there was a point in time that every time that our offense got the ball, we were down a little bit further. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's that's right, you know, when it comes to that. When you're talking about running the football offensively, but um, that usually dictates who wins or loses the game. Jump. Uh, it's about who can go execute the fundamentals. You know, I told your team, blocking, tackling, execution. Okay, they done all that today. Okay, and throw in coaching too. Okay. Uh, they done everything better than we did, okay? I'm not saying their team's better than ours. I'm saying that today their team was, and that's all that counts. It, it It's not about, you know, sometimes it is about how hard you play. It's always about how hard you play, David, right? It's always about how hard you play, okay? But if you're playing really hard and you're running in the wrong direction, it, it, that's not good, right? Okay, if you're playing really hard and you're not blocking the right guy or if you're supposed to run this route but you – you, you see it a different way and run another one, um, you know, it's hard to have success. And we probably had too much of that. And, and again, I'm not blaming the kids, okay? Uh, like I told the players in the, in the locker room, uh, everybody needs to look in the mirror because uh, it's what I'm going to do and say, what can I do better to help our football team? And I'm going to start with me. So. All right, Shade, so – I don't know where you go from here. Obviously, the BYU game's coming up. That was the non-conference game everyone there in Knoxville had circled. And now it seems like most people don't even care what happens. Um, I don't know. Can they rebound? What, if they if they somehow find a way, they're not going to do it if they play like this, but if they play much improved and beat BYU, uh, thought, do you think this season can be salvaged? <laughs> Mark, I'm always a glass-half-full kind of guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always going to root for Tennessee when they play, and I'm always going to just imagine the best. And maybe you know, I mean, it really starts with it's one. I mean, when coaches come out and they say it's one game at a time, it's truly what this is this season right now. We have got to focus one game at a time, and if we could come out and somehow beat BYU and get right back on track. Yes, I think there's a chance that once we get into SEC play that we could potentially salvage the season. You know, I'm not going to throw all that out because of one horrible game. I I think this was a situation where, again, kind of like what we were talking about with Missouri, we just we thought we were going to have it, you know. And honestly, if you could watch the game that we had a couple years ago with Appalachian State, you know, same situation. It was just one of those games that you just thought we had. But, you know, we didn't have Dobbs this time. We had Jarrett Garantano with the four-yard routes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that all about? Did we even throw the ball down the field? You know, I, I mean, every time that they did give Jawan Jennings an opportunity, he made it. And I just don't understand why we didn't try to stretch the field. Don't I, Our guys are so much – our wide receivers are so much bigger and more athletic than their defenders. And it was like, you know what, let's just play in this four-yard bubble because it's working out. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this coordinator? Cheney. I know. Yeah. Him back to Georgia. <laughs> He's the highest-paid offensive coordinator in the nation, Shane. Oh, my God. I'd fire him and Ansley tomorrow. All right, Shane, this podcast already gone pretty long. We have some other plans, but I think we'll save them for the next one. Um, I'm ready to get out of here on this one, Shane. You got anything before we hop off here? I have got a ton of reviews, and we're going to get to those, but it is right now 11 p.m., and uh, 
we're uh, we're going to end on this depressing note, Mike. And tomorrow we're going to get into all the uh, all the reviews. I really do appreciate everybody taking the time uh, to give us those rating and reviews. But one request for the listeners, Shane, uh, this would really help us out. We just discovered this. Our podcast provider has told us this. I know we ask you for ratings and reviews. That really does help the podcast out. But if you're on iTunes, if that's how you get the show. Uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe immediately. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but just hit that button a couple times. Make sure you stay sus- subscribed. But you hit that unsubscribe button. That would really help us out this week. Mm. Um, but just just that's a little insider tip for you guys. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this one. Shane, I think, is on the verge of tears. <laughs> so we're going to jump off here. But uh, thanks for sticking in with us here. And uh, the season's going to get better, Shane. The season's going to get better. And if you're out there and you're a South Carolina fan, Missouri, you know, Ole Miss, uh, better better days are ahead. So uh, we got a long season to go. And, hey, you're still undefeated in the SEC, so that's something. That's right. Well, unless you're a Vandy fan, you know, then, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's not a perfect system, but – I'll tell you what, Depression Monday, we're going to wrap this one up. We're going to snap and clear. Tomorrow is a new day, Mike, and we're going to get these kids pumped up again for football uh, in week two. we got some great games on the slate, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to hollering at you tomorrow and hanging out with the fans. So uh, that's all I got, Mike. All right, Shane, thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.